Should oh, we get this started? Let's do I it. I feel like we it should get this like started. It. I want to talk some water deep. So yeah, we're going to talk some water deep today. So um, thanks everybody for hanging out with us in the chat while we're kind of warming up and get, getting ready. Um, so as many of you may know or may not know, we uh, finished Tomb of Annihilation two weeks ago. Was yep. it yes. two weeks ago? Yeah, last week was the postmortem. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, God. So two weeks so ago, sad. man, it was it was a wild ride. So it was a little over a year long campaign, and we finished it. We uh, had had some good things, but we're not going to talk about that. If you want to go see our postmortem, see the episodes; they're all on YouTube. Yep. Um, podcast podcast format wherever you want. You can search for Dad Bod D and D. Make sure it's the end and not the ampersand. Um, hey, I will say. Uh, weekly, we're going to have uh, character highlight videos coming out. So far, uh, Vinny Bloodgood, Devin's character, is the was released on Wednesday. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, it's all the highlights from that character. I think Binks, my character, will be next. And then we got Victon, and then we'll end with Willow. And then if I get my act together, we'll have a, a DM highlight too. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, uh, time is a, a fading thing. That's, that's it's tough. Very one. finite. Um, because it's not me that does it. It's you guys. You guys are the stars of the show. Um, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, anything you – we have some one-shots on there too. We have some random stuff that's called the podcast. Uh, they're all on YouTube, podcast format. There's some VODs out there that are available. Um, if you want to go back and watch it, I do suggest the YouTube format because Chris does a very good job editing, takes out some of the pauses that we have, takes out some of the rules checking that we have. So – great way yeah I, so we do have twitter instagram dad bod dnd um you check us out anywhere there uh we are sponsored by skull splitter so they did just start a kickstarter that has already met its second tier day two early birds haven't even finished yet and they've already met second tier so they're going for the sixteen thousand, which is they're so close to already um last i checked they weren't there they did just meet the eleven thousand goal so go go check that out um if you want a nice set of dice nice metal dice uh you can use the link down below and use the promo code dadbod for 10 percent off your first purchase so again we have discord too which is linked down there if you want um come hang out with us we're pretty active every day we talk about D. we talk about movies we talk about you know whatever you want anything and everything um, next week is going to be a one shot <clears throat> ran by Devin. So we're not ready to hit into Waterdeep yet. Devin will be running uh, Weeby Gerblins and where all of us play is Goblins. So that'll be fun. Uh, be sure to check that out. Then the following week, 315, come back here if you want to catch Waterdeep. That'll be our first session. Uh, tonight's going to be session zero. So without further ado, let's get into it, right? Does anybody have anything they want to start with before we jump in? Probably just to clear like the air of Tomb of Annihilation, I think our entire party is super excited to be out of the tomb um, and to be doing another module. Um, so I think we're all pretty jazzed to be starting a new one. I agree. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it felt sad leaving the characters behind but it's like it's springtime you know and, and you get some new life coming in and i'm ex so excited to to hop into the skin of a different character so looking mm -hmm. forward it's it's for sure rough too and uh i mean we we played that for so long that it'll be nice it'll be that new new that we get um yeah and also starting over at level one is gonna be tough i gotta make sure not to kill you guys i'm not looking forward to that 
So <laughs> I, I used to be able to do cool stuff. <laughs> now to. I can. <laughs> I can hit swing you. Swing my sword. Um, I might have a spell or two, but all right. So what we're gonna do tonight? We're gonna go over all of the characters' backstories, and we're gonna break out into different groups for this. So. In a few minutes, we'll break out to individual sessions, and we'll kind of go over backstories. And then we'll have a quick Waterdeep City overview, which will be kind of fun, so we get a little bit of understanding. And then we'll go over the module for a little bit, too. You guys ready to break into our... Anything you guys want to say before we break into sessions here? I got nothing. Nope. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So let's go ahead and... It's going to be... We are here right now. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, if I'm not fucking something up, it's not us, okay? It's wouldn't be dead by D and D if we didn't have something messed up. Yeah, specifically yeah. with me. Everybody who may be in the chat, welcome to Dad by D and D. We're doing a special episode for Kylie's session zero, real quick. Kylie, tell me a little bit about your Waterdeep character. Um, Makani. Winfell is a cleric. Her mom is a cleric who works um, for the richer people who own um, and bet on gladiators. And her mom is very sought off after. She's very established, kind of famous cleric because of her healing abilities. Um, Connie has healing abilities, but she also has, she's a Tempest cleric. So she also has, like, environment abilities, I guess I should say. Uh, do you want me to get into her whole background? Like, how much of it do you want me to get into? Um, uh, whatever. So, yeah, this would be a perfect time for your, your character backstory. Whatever you want to let the audience know, and then whatever you want to have come out organically, just leave that to yourself. Okay. When she was in her early 20s, they were at the gladiator pits. Um, she was very, very close to her mom. Um, her dad wasn't in the picture, and her mom had her help help start taking a bigger role in, in curing and helping heal these gladiators. And then one night, her mom sent her off and to go help heal another person another gladiator i'm mumbling because i was not ready for this anyways to heal another gladiator uh when she came back her mother her mother was murdered and she kind of her mother tried to hide some of her extra cleric abilities because her mother didn't want her to become a gladiator but all her abilities kind of exploded within her i guess you could say and she kind of blew up essentially the apartment complex that they were living in and uh, she took off and she's now on a search to find a way to try to bring her mother back to life. Okay. Um, so what, what is the physical appearance of Makani? She changes, she can change her appearance, appearance, appearance. She's an Eldrin, Eldrin? Is that, am I saying that correctly? Eladrin cleric so so she can change it based on the seasons right now she has very like gray colored hair she's she is matching her appearance to the weather she has gray gray hair very like whitish colored skin right now very soft gray freckles light light blue eyes she wears a lot of jewelry because her mom was 
did have a lot of riches. So she wears a lot of jewelry. Her clothes are practical, but still obviously very nice. What brings Makani to Waterdeep? She really is lost right now in trying to find a way to heal her mom. That's her main, or to bring her mom back to life. She wants to learn more about her cleric abilities. Um, she didn't really have anybody besides her mother who focused on life, the life domain, to teach her about her abilities. So she's still learning a lot about that. She's still learning a lot about herself. She doesn't really have any leads on what she can do right now to bring her mom back. So she's just wandering in the world lost right now, essentially. And she just happened to come to Waterdeep because it's the biggest city and she's not sure if she can find a lead there. Okay, good deal. Um, what traits would define Makani? She's kind, but it takes her a little while to really trust somebody. She lost a lot of happiness when her mother passed away and she's searching for it again. Um, but she, right now she links it, her happiness to her mother. She's, she's really focused on her own life right now. So she's not really out to help a lot of people like you would imagine a typical cleric to be. Okay. And so that may obviously lead into the, to the very next question. What are Makani's flaws? <laughs> Uh, that she doesn't trust people. Uh, she, her mom, they, she believes that there was a hit out on her mom. So she believe she knows that there's a lot of bad in the world. She is kind of naive in the fact that she, her mom's essentially, like I said before, um, been paid with a lot of riches. So she's never really been without. She's never had to. She has to work for things, but she's never been troubled essentially to pay for anything or to find answers that she needed other than since she's been searching with her mom. Perfect. What do you want to achieve with this character in the campaign? Like what are your what are your goals? What what do you want to see happen? Well, without giving too much away, I want to see her evolve and find happiness that's not linked to her mother, find friendships, and, but also, you know, there's a good chance that she might not find a way to bring back her mom um, and kind of find some closure in that. So what, what would happen if you couldn't find a way to bring back your mom? How would that, how would that change... Makani. Hopefully, well, right at right at the moment, that that's not an option for her. Hopefully, she grows enough that she ex can accept death and accept the past for what it is, and lessons her mom's already taught her, and learn to stand on her own feet and become her own person. Person. Sorry, when I think really hard, by the way, I like look off into space. I do that at work too. And I can see the screen and I'm like, oh, I'm looking up at the corner. <laughs> I feel like this is like an exam to get into college too. Yeah, you need to deal with it or you're in trouble. So last question for Makani is what pitfalls do you want to avoid with this character or to make this character successful from not, I, I don't want it to be not from a overall revive your mother quest, but from a 
just you think it was a fun character you know we we've had willow who we 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 all know was set up for a one shot and got turned into a a long campaign um but what what would make makani a successful fun character for you so i've always played like the fun loving like funny easygoing character i kind of want makani to start out as pretty serious pretty driven um just not as happy-go-lucky as pretty much every other character i've ever played so that's going to be a challenge for me starting out and obviously i do want her to grow but i don't want it i don't want it just fall into my habits of role playing where everything's a joke and you know, not everything's a joke in like a bad way but that's just kind of my character's personalities i've always played so i want to make sure that i'm not falling into that per se right off the bat when she's still driven on this quest that's pretty serious for her i like it what about what about long term so short term you don't want to fall into the you know the the norm what is what is your long-term goal with this character my long-term goal with this character I don't know like I haven't really thought about a long-term goal for her I'm excited to kind of see where she goes organically and for me personally just to learn more about role-playing with her and more about the game <laughs> I like it um so, like it. Like it a lot. so that's really all the questions I had for you were there any questions for me in the upcoming Waterdeep campaign did anybody else ask questions? One thing I will say is the game starts in the yawning portal. So think of a reason why you're there. So that is roughly the overview of Waterdeep. Do you have any questions? I don't think I do right now. Perfect. So No, no questions, sir. We're going to go ahead and bring it back to everybody. So if you're naked on this stream, please put your shirts on. Travis. Hello. It's you and I. So, Travis, what is your character name? It is Jackson Metalbuck. J-A-X-Y-N. So in a bit of an unusual spelling. Uh, he goes by Jax uh, normally. But I imagine he won't in the beginning, but will not be aware of that. It's for meeting a whole group, a whole new group of people. Okay. So what, uh, what, we do have a nice little picture that was done by our very own uh, Stonefly here in Dad by D&D. But what does your character look like? What are some of the features that define Jax? Um, he's got some silvery hair. He's a bit of a short fellow, about three foot six. But the hair is, the hair doesn't go quite quite past his ears, but it's a little on the longer side, but not like, not like shoulder length. Generally wearing leather maybe with a blue tunic, uh, brown pants, leather boots, and probably an apron. Uh, he's a bit of an alchemist, so he's always working on you know, different concoctions. And, and uh, he, he's capable of like building actual physical objects, too. So he carries around a hammer and working gloves with him. Okay. Um, so what about, why don't you give us a rundown of your backstory? What, what defines Jax as a person? He doesn't know much beyond the, the general life of learning and hard work. Uh, after school, he would observe his parents, a blacksmith and an engineer, just do their thing. Uh, so he'd always be spending time outside of observing his parents, working with um, just gadgets he found around the house. Much like a kid today might 
well, not today, I guess, but a long time ago, would have taken apart like the, the house phone or something um, just to learn how they work. He's always doing that kind of thing. He did well in school, uh, usually around the top of his class. Um, his friend became his rival. His name is Sindri. Um, and they grew up school and even outside of school before they were of age together. They were friends. Um, he, they both liked to build things. They would both do competitions and be very competitive with each other. Eventually it got to the point where they were always the top two finishers in any building competition around. But Jax does not do well with losing, even to, to his friend. And as he got older, he started to lose more and more from societal pressures for getting married and settling down. Um, but he wasn't ready. And with all that weighing on his head, and his constant failure, at least in his own mind, he's leaving town. He's got to go find some new motivation. How does he feel when he actually leaves town? What 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 regret? Excitement? Um, mostly excitement. Um, he's always wanting to learn and experience new things, so he is excited to see more of the world. He's never really left his town or his country of Eberron, so he is getting excited about that but he's he's nervous about it too because he doesn't know what he's going to find he doesn't know if he's going to come across any monsters things of that nature so he's not quite used to fighting yet but ten, he's optimistic ten ten yes i gotcha i gotcha um so what brings you to Waterdeep? um he had always heard of a city of splendors um and he's out looking for something new um maybe to help him with his future builds or maybe to at least get him some money or something he's always heard of the city of splendors and he's heading there to see what he can find and hope that it brings him good fortune of some kind so what what traits really define Jax? he believes anything worth doing is uh, worth doing right you know he, he tries to be nice but he can sometimes be rude he always wants to know how things work so he's very inquisitive Maybe distractingly so, but he's hoping ultimately to get back home and prove that he is the greatest builder, engineer, tinkerer uh, of them all, like he believes in his own head. He can get a bit jealous, too. So I, I guess that leads us into the next question. What are some of Jax's flaws? Yeah, like I said, he's jealous. He doesn't like it when anyone, even his friends, outshine him. So he's all kind of views everyone that of the same mind as him around him as rivals and uh, he's never satisfied with what he has he's always wanting more and always wanting another trophy or that another blue ribbon or something i got you okay so what what was your what was your thought process behind making jacks what what really drove you to one you know playing victim as long as you did which was a melee you know <clears throat> paladin what made you change it up? Uh, it's the fact that I played a paladin and I wanted to do something kind of starkly different from that. I wanted to play somebody a little bit mischievous, somebody I could have a little bit more fun with that wasn't such a serious toned type. Um, I got a little bit of a taste of that in some of the one shots and I really enjoyed it. So I kind of ran with that and the artificer class just kind of stood out to me when it was pointed out as existent, existing in the first place. Was there anything that really kind of sparked your creative juices other than that one shot? I mean, was there, were you just kind of browsing and you're like, hey man, this looks pretty fun. You know, it was, I wanted something different. 
than Victon. I, I know I said that, but it's a, a big hitter for me. He was so serious, and I tend to be fairly serious. So I wanted to get out of that comfort zone. So there's another that other personal component to it. Um, and then I found that the gnome class kind of fit that. And then after that, we found the artificer class, and then the rock gnome type for the gnome fit that. So it just kind of all melded together. Um, so it was kind of a that motivation for giving myself out of my comfort zone and then just the flow of going through the book and the documentation so thing i liked the difference was what drove you and then and then it led you down a path of okay i like this this looks fun okay let's do this what fits with this and that's kind of what what drove it right exactly yep what uh what pitfalls do you need to avoid to make this character success successful in your eyes now success can be measured in in many different ways are you successful in game or is it a success in your eyes of what you know you want to achieve right everything that i want out of this character and even the story is more about me as a playing character as opposed to what i want for jacks himself I want him to be successful. I want him to be able to get home and wow everybody or just learn to be happy with his own accomplishments instead of always needing to find that next thing. I had a hard time with Victon remembering to stick to the chaotic good or the the (laughs) lawful good that I set him for Um, and the various personality traits. I didn't even have any in the very beginning and then I built some and I tried to stick with it, but it was never, it was always in the way back in my mind where I was never really considering it until a significant moment happened. So I don't think I was consistent with him. So I want to not fall into that inconsistency. I want to make sure that he is who he is from the beginning to the end with some personal growth in there. So he's going to hopefully, you know, become a better person or maybe a worse person depending on what happens with, with Waterdeep. Yeah, I was going to say with Victon, it was, you know, we, we built it for a quick test of hey, let's come do this this little module of, mm-hmm. you know, what was it? We ran through a quick tavern and killed some rats. And so Victon kind of, you used that same character in the, the Tomb of Annihilation. Yep. And luckily, you were one of the few that your character, while didn't start with the original party, survived till the very end. Um, keyword, yes. keyword until the very end. <laughs> and, um, you know, it... it, it it was. A, I feel like it was a character that really didn't. Um, it grew with you from just from a, a perspective of the DM. It grew with you, but it wasn't something that you just loved at the start. Yes, it, you, it wasn't. I, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, do you feel like that's gonna be your, you know, this character? Is that gonna be Jax for you? I think it is. I, I really do. Um, I've actually put a lot more thought into everything in this character. Like you said, we kind of rushed Victon together, and I just liked him. And since I wasn't sure if I was going to keep going, we didn't know how it was going to work out long term. I didn't want to put a whole lot of time in my own character. Plus, I just didn't know enough about how it all worked. Now I do. I've learned a whole ton about characters and how to play them, build them, and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's going to be a lot better. I'm going to have a stronger personal attachment, and it's going to be a lot more interesting um, emotionally as much as it is just playing through it and having fun with it. So what what does Travis want to achieve with this character? What what's like the the end goal for you with Jax? What what would make you think that you are or what kind of growth do you want in in this campaign? 
as a PC, just again to get used to all the the ins and outs of the game and being a consistent character. That's um, kind of about it, and whatever else I can get out of it's great. As for the character himself, I want him to change. I don't know if that's going to be good or bad. I don't want to make a set future for him that because I, I don't know anything about Waterdeep or how, where it's going to go, and that's how I want it to be. So I don't know if he's going to go and be a good guy or a bad guy in the end, or maybe he'll, you know, settle down and find a family after finding somebody he likes along the road, or who who knows. Um, I want to leave it very open ended here at the beginning because, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen. But, but I, I want to. I was going to say I think that's change. that's part of the fun of Waterdeep is there's a lot of ways we could go, and I, I think it'll be fun to see how one your character, you know. It, just from hearing about it in this in this opening here is going to be kind of you know abrasive in the party and so there's going to be the rough edges that either get smoothed out while you're in a party setting or it's going to create that party conflict that you know which i think in the tomb of annihilation you know Vinny was that conflict and eventually as you see the 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 game progress Vinny kind of smoothed out yep. do, you, do you think Jax is going to do that i think he could I, I think he's going to experience some kind of transition like that he's not going to be too far on the oh i'm going to get along with everybody scale but he's not going to be an ass to absolutely everybody either he, he's going to have some some moments he's going to be a little bit rude he'll be competitive um whether or not that leads him to a path of friendship or hatred is just going to depend on how the other characters play and i want to leave it that way again no expectations in terms no specific expectations forward it's great it's great so i mean those are those are all the questions is there anything else you want to bring up about jacks is there anything else you want to just highlight hit home if you were to give your conclusion of jacks um no i don't know if there's much else to say he's a young gnome he doesn't have much of a family outside of his two parents no brothers no sisters um he has his friends but he kept to himself a lot so he is going to be out of his element and i'm hoping i can capture that in getting parts of Waterdeep as he meets these new characters and uh continues on his first time ever leaving his homeland love it all right so are there any questions you have for me going into this you know, I, I, there's a lot of questions about what the module's going to be, um, but I think most of that's going to be left to what the the overview will t- teach us when we get there a little bit later. So I don't have any specific questions right now. And we'll touch on the module at the end. Um, yep. I guess this is a good time. Chat, do you have any questions for Jax or Jax's character? First one is, again, from AK. Random Ricker, a question for Blue Viper 85, which is our uh, resident Travis. Resident Hansen, brother, by the way. Um, what's your favorite character's piece of artifice so far that has that he had created? What thing is is the... I want to say it's masterwork. Uh, he hopes to produce one day. Well, he's got a lot of issues with all of his builds. He's always striving for perfection. If he doesn't win, he doesn't enjoy the build. He probably destroys it. Um, and so at least starts over using something else. Anyway, the one thing that he has always kind of held on to is this cube. Like four inches by four inches on each side. Uh, fits into a bag nicely. Um, and it's called the cube of diverse travel 
all it is it's a, it's smooth on every side you wouldn't know anything was special about it it's fairly lightweight but if you know what you're doing there's a button on a couple of the sides and one of them makes little propellers come out and it can fly across the room not too much louder than a cheap <laughs> drone to hit a different button and instead of propellers they become legs and it can crawl around the floor it doesn't really do a whole lot besides that at least not to the naked eye but he has some tricks up his sleeve with it. I don't know if I want to get into those right now. Okay. That's but fair. mostly it's his favorite, just because of the craftsmanship in it. It's very hard to notice the buttons. It's just, it's very obscure if somebody just saw it laying on a table or something. So that's probably his favorite. How old was Jax? Uh, he is 38 when he left uh, town. I'm imagining it's, I imagine it doesn't take him a year to get there, so I'm kind of assuming he's still 38. I got you. Travis, I'm going to say goodbye to you for a little bit. And we're going to pop over to Chris and Devin. All right. Now, gentlemen, what a smooth transition we have. Ooh, look at that. That was sexy. That was hot. I loved it. Um, guys, we really upped our production value for this. We have two of you. What? Why? What? Why? What the? Why? This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we are going to start with the top, which is Chris. Chris, give me oh, a quick, okay. what character are you playing? Uh, so I am playing Valerian Alstrom, the halfling rogue. And currently I'm thinking about multi-classing into Warlock, just thinking ahead. But right now he's a, a level one rogue. He's about three foot two, uh, 43 pounds. And he's about 40 years old, so he's... Uh, he's into adulthood. I mean, uh, halflings live to be about like 150 years old, so he's young on the, the general scale of halflings, but into his adulthood at 40 years old. Uh, he's got an AKA. He goes by the vulture on the streets because he does have a, uh, a criminal background, so he's got kind of the alias, uh, and that's kind of what he, he leaves his mark as the vulture. Okay. And uh, uh, Devin, what are you playing? So I'm playing uh, Templeton. Um, he originally had a last name, and I nixed it. I think I like it better that he doesn't. He's just Templeton. Um, he is a half orc barbarian. Um, he's six foot four, three hundred pounds. Uh, he's in his early twenties. I don't think he could properly relay what his actual age is. Uh, I'm sure he was probably told it at some point, but. He doesn't have the best memory, uh, so he doesn't really remember. But he's in his early 20s. He's very young and inexperienced. Okay. So we'll head back up top. What's a what's a physical appearance <laughs> for the Vulture? Yeah, so I kind of wanted to make, since he's a criminal, I was thinking, like, what makes a good criminal? And that's somebody that kind of just blends in. So he has kind of an everyman face. Uh, it's it's kind of tough to pick him out of the crowd. And uh, before I go any further, I do want to compliment uh, our Stonefly on the artwork here. Uh, when she showed me Valerian's picture, I was just like blown away. Uh, the, the menacing that she, uh, the menacing look that she was able to get in there. But anyways, I had to give uh, props there. But uh, no distinguishing marks or blemishes. Like the one thing he would have is a little earring, one little hoop earring. Uh, that's the only kind of embellishment. Uh, he does have a, a, a good jawline, protruding cheekbones. Uh, his hair is a little dirty blonde, uh, some hazel eyes. 
you can there's just the idea is that he's easily lost in a crowd. I mean, one, he's a halfling, so he's not very tall, but he looks like all of the other halflings. Uh, he just blends in everywhere he goes. Uh, everything is kind of average about his looks. Do do you want me to go into like what he wears? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Okay, yeah. So he's he's got this uh, like tan black leather kind of ar- uh, not armor, but just kind of a upper chest piece. Uh, it kind of flares down to cover up his thighs. Uh, it's stitched together with fine white thread that kind of uh, uh, borders it all the way around. And then he wears a big black kind of scarf that could that doubles as a hood and a, and a kind of a face mask if uh, you know he's kind of making a getaway. He wears he's got big black bracers that he wears uh, leather black bracers on his uh, wrists, and in the middle of each one of those are a white, uh, milky white diamond. Uh, think like obsidian, but white, um, and they're they're kind of marquee shaped uh, in in those bracers there that he wears on his arms. Nice. Usually found within the uh, the hood of his of his scarf is his pet weasel uh, raffle. Uh, he kind of he hangs out in there mostly if he's not like out playing around and stuff like that. But yeah, so that's that's kind of Valerian's appearance. Love it. Uh, what about Templeton? Um, so with Templeton, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to capture a couple things. Uh, number one, he's just a hulking mass, not all muscle. He's bulky, muscular, but also kind of fat. Uh, I liked the idea of like, he has kind of an innocent appearance to him, but there's some serious danger to him, uh, underneath all of that. He's clean shaven. He kind of has a vapid, clueless expression, um, which our uh, our stonefly has captured beautifully. And and from looking at him, you get the sense that he's not that intelligent. Um, he's gentle. He has expressive, icy blue eyes with um, very thin eyebrows. He has a full mouth of, of human teeth. He never actually got any tusks from the orc side of his family. He's got a bulbous nose. He has a small wisp of white hair just on the top of his head, uh, kind of like a troll doll. Uh, his skin's faded green. He enjoys painting his fingernails. Um, so his fingernails are currently like rainbow colored. Um, <laughs> he wears a white button down shirt with a black vest, black slacks and black leather boots. Um, and his socks are rainbow colored. Um, all of these clothes were given to him by by Valerian, uh, which we'll get into that in in a minute. Um, but uh, he, uh, Valerian, I, I did he dress me to like so that we kind of match? Like, cause I don't know if we did that on purpose or if that was just kind of coincidence. <laughs> it was coincidental. Like when we were bringing our two characters together, that was totally like. I remember when I told you I had black leather with white stitching. You're like, oh, sweet. I have white and black. So it's kind of accidental on that side. But I think it's it's a great idea to kind of add to it that Valerian, in their travels together, have slowly pieced together this, uh, this makeshift outfit for yourself. They're not yeah. necessarily – they don't go together. But through time, they've kind of uh, got rid of the old and then grabbed something new. So it does match. And then uh, – that Templeton flare with the socks, uh, a rainbow color. That was definitely maybe a weak point in Valerian where he, he saw that and purchased it for you. Uh, well, and I think it's also kind of cool that like, if you have bought me all these clothes, maybe like the socks are the one thing I fucking insisted on. Like, okay. And right. you know, yeah. and, and, and like, you know, you're, you're putting together like this image, right? 
of like this big giant hulking freak standing behind this halfling. And and but like the one thing I was not going to relent on was the rainbow colored socks. Yeah, so, um, it's easier so, battle to give up, like choose your battles kind of thing. Yeah. Does Valyrian pick Templeton as a partner? Because one, he's so hulking. Two, he could be a protector. And three, he's going to draw more attention. Yeah. So the way, if we're ready to jump into kind of Let's, that part of the backstory, we, can we, should we should we go through our backstory first? I think we, we should because yeah, that yeah, I like that. Okay. Right. I like that. So do you want to go first, or you want me to go? Um, I I think it makes sense if you start okay. and then maybe stop where right. I come in. Okay. So Valerian is not a good man. He is he is kind of uh, left to center on on the scale of good and evil. He is uh, he's a criminal. Uh, that's what he did. Uh, he has faults. He's he's unskilled. Like he's a decent cat burglar, but relatively unskilled. Uh, he doesn't really have a trade or anything other than you know stealing other people's hard earned things. Uh, he doesn't really produce anything. He just takes uh, petty crimes. And he would make a, a decent living by stealing people's trinkets and then selling them on the streets. His thing was he would steal during the daytime. Uh, he figured most people are gone at their day jobs. He'd go out, steal, uh, being that every man he can kind of blend in. And that's that's the way he kind of made his money. So he goes on this midnight job. It's somebody who's going to be out and, and he, can get a, he can get a decent score in the middle of the night. But he has to do it in the middle of the night. So he goes in and he does that. And his wife, he leaves his wife at home. She's pregnant with child. Goes, makes this job, is not gone very long. And he comes back and um, uh, he finds that his house, the door is open. And he comes back in and he sees uh, Raffle uh, sitting in the middle of their cold, empty bed. Uh, kind of freaking out a little bit. He's starting to put two and two together. He's... He's, uh, he sees, well, the door is open. He starts tracking footsteps and he follows what he thinks are his, his wife's footsteps out to the middle of this opening in a forest. And there it's, it's kind of, uh, he sees this, just this single solitary moonbeam coming down, hitting this, uh, boulder. And he, he sees what he thinks is his wife, uh, out on top of it. And he, he makes his way over there and he sees that she, it is in fact his wife and she is, she is dead. Uh, all the life was drained from her. Uh, not really murdered by like thieves or ruffians or anything, but rather everything about her was kind of drained and just taken from her. Like just the life force had been uh, kind of removed from her. And she was just really like a shell of a, of a woman at that point. And it was at the, f the feet of, uh, of her that he prayed for the first time, not really knowing who to pray to or, or how to pray. But he prayed for the first time and um, to try to bring her back and or or at the very least be reunited with her. Uh, There's nothing in response. And v Valerian ended up sleeping at the feet of his wife, Kala, uh, there outside in the rock. Uh, he shivered all night, not because of the cold, but rather uh, the thoughts of what could have been like this mistake he made. And then that night, as Valerian drifted asleep, unbeknownst to him, Belial... I hope I'm saying that right. Belial, B-E-L-I-A-L, visited him, uh, and this will be his warlock patron, um, seeking to be the answer to his, quote, prayer. Belial, so Belial burned in his wrists the, the same Marquise diamond shape that he wears on his bracer, burned into his wrists this, uh, this mark, and now he wears the bracers to cover that up. 
that's all that the patron did that first night was just came down and, and kind of touched him and, and gave him those burns and those marks and he wears those to cover him uh belial will obviously come back but feeling lost without his wife he he went back to what he knows like his life is kind of ruined so he's going to go and do what he knows and this he heard rumors of this well-to-do butcher in town and he began casing his home and uh he would he would come by daily at different times in the day trying to figure out his routine uh just to kind of see when the best time to to hit him up would be and no matter when he came to this house valerian saw this gigantic half orc sitting kind of on the street corner uh just sitting there doing doing whatever uh Devin will describe valerian would engage with him in brief nods and some eye contact one day uh valerian tossed this half orc this huge half orc a piece of candy just as he's walking by a little butterscotch candy and just moved about his day the next day he came this orc asked for a piece of candy that was the first time that valerian heard him speak Something wasn't quite right with him. Uh, he was a little slow. Not all, not all there. Uh, something wasn't matching. I gave, I gave a Valyrian gave him another one and asked him to forget that I was ever here because the next night was the night I was going to make that hit. And I think that's where uh, I'll pause and and hand it over to Devin. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, Templeton uh, was the product of uh, a night I don't know shared between a, a cruel orc warrior and a local human girl that he had pillaged after raiding a village uh she escaped in the middle of the night while he was asleep and nine months later she gave birth to templeton he's a great just green mass with a kind face life was anything but easy for templeton uh the people in the village shunned him because of the implications of his birth you know he's he's the child of the orc that overran the village or one of the orcs that overran the village and there's the whole issue with him not being that bright. The neighbors kind of referred to him as like touched in the head. And, you know, the other kids would call him names and they nobody would have anything to do with him. He was a monster. Um, and his mother, Marie, worked uh, as a clothes washer, just barely making enough to feed the two of them. When he was 19, having no idea what to do with, uh, you know, he's just living there with her. Uh, she became ill. And she told Templeton uh, to go to Waterdeep and find some work on the docks. And Templeton's very obedient. Um, he did as he was told. He took a job on the docks. It lasted half a day because a co-worker uh, mocked him and uh, hit him with a bottle. And uh, he flew into a rage and broke the man's arm and was fired. So jobless and homeless and not knowing what else to do, his mother told him to come to town and make money. He just kind of sat on the side of the road and contemplated he didn't want to disappoint his mom by returning home with nothing. Uh, so he just sat there. And occasionally somebody would throw him a copper in his way. And not knowing what else to do, he just kind of sat there and collected them. And then one day he had enough. Three months later, someone brought him a note. Or he collected all the money he could from the alms and sent it to his mother. Uh, about three months later, um, he uh, a little boy came to him with a note that said his mother had passed. The only kind person he'd ever known was was gone. Then, you know, the only person who'd ever been even halfway polite to him was was gone. Uh, he cried himself to sleep, and the next morning, still just not knowing what to do, he just continued to sit. And the clothes started uh, tattering and becoming worn just from him sitting in the mud. Uh, but eventually, from people giving him moms, he saved up enough copper and he bought some paper and some paints, and he began to draw very simple finger paintings uh, to passers-by, pictures of flowers, 
stick figures of people with smiley faces and sons with smiley faces. He didn't sell that many. One day, a halfling approached him, and uh, the halfling asked him, uh, did you draw this? What, it's like a flower? And Ian Templeton said, yep. He said, tell you what, I'm a little short on funds at the moment, but I do have some candy. How's about you give me the picture, and I give you a piece of candy? Templeton asked him what kind, and uh, the halfling replied, butterscotch, I think. And Templeton said, deal, and the exchange was made. As time went on, the two of them became started talking. As te- as Val would walk around this part of town, Templeton was always there selling his finger paintings, and uh, they began to talk. He learned his name was Val, uh, and Valerian was the first person who had said more than three words to him in two years. And then one night, Templeton's laying in that same spot. He sleeps in the same spot where he sits kind of all day. And he heard a commotion across the street, and I'll turn it back over to Val. Yeah, so that commotion is me going on this, uh, uh, raiding this this butcher's uh, shop. The the rear entrance of this butcher's shop slammed open, and two city constables were wrestling me out of the door. And the uh, the constables say, "Caught the vulture red-handed this time. You'll lose your hands for this." And Valerian's responding, "I didn't do nothing. Uh, I was hired to do some uh, night work. I was framed." And, and there's some fear in his voice. And as the guards wrestled Valyrian down the street, this is where Templeton comes in. This hulking shadow picked up the pace behind us. And one of the guards got the feeling of being followed and turned around just as uh, Templeton brought. And these are, these are Devin's words. These are great words. Templeton brought his cannonball-sized fist down on the head, killing him instantly. The other guard tried to draw his sword as... Valyrian stumbled to the ground, watching the massive terror slap the other guards, snap the other guard's neck. Templeton stood there breathing heavily, snapped the manacle chain on Val's wrists. Why did I, why did you do this? asked Val suspiciously. Templeton responds, You're my friend, and they was hurting you. You have any more of that candy? And since then, two years later now, we, we have kind of been uh, tied at the hip in a sense. Uh, we're, we're friends. I, Val would, would definitely use like air quotes or like a friends question mark at the end of that. He doesn't really know where he sits, but Templeton oh, well, is def- well, best, definitely. Well, <laughs> well, best, well, best friends. Yeah, he, he portrays that to Templeton for sure. But Val doesn't really know like what void Templeton is fi- filling yet. And I think building this character, that's something that I really want to kind of search out and, and figure out how Templeton is is sitting in his life and... Uh, you know he works. He works for candy, and he he likes to play with raffle. You know he's he's got these huge fists that when Val's mouth gets him into some trouble, Templeton is usually there to to back him up. So I think that's a, a nutshell of of our background, which will make any any further information that we give out uh, have it make a little more sense. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So uh, you guys did say this was in Waterdeep, correct? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can skip that one. Um, obviously, you're just in water deep, and you're kind of just hanging there. Um, well, so, I mean, so it, might, so it might be a good question to say, what are we still doing in water deep? Yeah, would you agree, Chris? Yeah. So a while ago, Bob, you gave us some families of water deep, and and we kind of wrote in that now that Valerian's got Templeton, we kind of took up work for the the Rosnar family, and we we helped them trade gems. So now we're kind of uh, the liaison in between. The Rosnars and whoever they're selling the gems to, so that's that's kind of what we're still doing in Waterdeep. With that, Valyrian has got away from the the easy cat burgling, 
and and more into just being this this runner of gems for the Rosnars. And what's Templeton still doing in Waterdeep? Just hanging with Valerian? Uh, Templeton is doing whatever Valerian tells him to do. Whatever, um, whatever so, goes. So kind of pulling back the curtain about this, I when I approached Chris, I and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, those are kind of background stories. Um, so uh, Templeton is doing whatever Valerian wants him to do. Uh, Templeton has latched onto him as a, ki- a person who was kind to him when nobody else was. Uh, and Templeton is a very true and honorable kind of person. Uh, he He's willing to do whatever Templeton needs done. Um, his morals are very much around, this is the person who is nice to me, this is the person who I do things for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that so I guess, you know, talking about like out of character here, that's what's going to be a challenge to me as a player. And, I, and I'll save that. You're going to get to that. So I'll save that. Pin that. We'll get back to it. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll start with Templeton first this time. What traits really define Templeton? Uh, he's very simple. Um, he is not intelligent. One, one, dim- no. <laughs> um, uh, and... I don't think so. I don't want this to be like, oh, there's some hidden intelligence there. Nobody's just ever gave him a chance. He's not smart. Okay, he had probably some learning deficiencies, but he's he's loyal to a fault. I would say, you know, one person is two people have been <laughs> two people have been nice to him his whole life. His mother and and Valerian, um, and whatever Valerian's motives are, Templeton is one not insightful enough to recognize if there is ulterior motives and two i don't even know if he would really care templeton is very happy to have somebody who is sometimes kind to him and and talks to him uh so he's loyal um he's very kind i i think outside of whatever goes on with val i think he's just a sweetheart um he loves animals and I think that's kind of his breaking point with Val. If Val ever told him to hurt an animal, I think that would be a hard no. He's not going to do that. Um, he loves animals. He's very childish uh, in his demeanor. I think he just wants everybody to get along and and be friends. Love it. And so what, what traits really define Val? So Val, a couple things is the best way to get him to uh, kind of under his skin is tell me he can't do something like the the Marty McFly. Will you call me a chicken? You know he's <laughs> he's gonna kind of like he's gonna puff up a little bit, so that's gonna get him into some trouble. He's he's both arrogant and cowardly, especially now that uh, uh, Templeton's with him. He'll he'll talk some mad shit, but then uh, using his halfling nimbleness, he's gonna hide behind and underneath Templeton. And, and you know, take a look at these fists, guys. You know, you don't you don't want to touch me. Uh, so so both arrogant and cowardly at the same time. Um, and he he will he will put Templeton in harm's way before before himself. Like when yeah. it when it comes to fisticuffs, he's he's definitely gonna back off big time and then and push uh, Templeton out there uh, to the front of the stage. Um, yeah. We should we should also say that you have allowed me to um, use my fists as weapons. And we are playing it like a warhammer. So one d six one handed, one d is that right? Oh, uh, warhammer. Let me see. One d one d eight one handed, one d ten two handed. So uh, my fists, my giant cannonball sized fists, are, awesome. my, are my weapon. 
Yeah. Could be great. So yeah, arrogant and cowardly. If that's uh Okay. Love it. Um so what are we kind of touched on some of these um any ones that we just maybe not didn't. What are some of your flaws? Uh we'll start with Valerian this time. Uh yeah, so it's that that arrogance. And this is this is where the challenge for me as a as a role player is going to uh kind of the rubber meat in the road is can I pull this off and that's a huge fear of mine that I have is I have to play an arrogant character. Binks was not and it was easy for me to to be to play Binks because I, I just kind of sit back, I act timid. That's that's easy, right? Nothing's really bad is going to come from you if you just act timid. But being arrogant and being at the front of the center of attention in these um, these uh, social interactions, that's that's his flaw. That's what's and that's going to be where I have to shine as a role player. I'm going to try. But yeah, him just being arrogant and and just kind of. Sticking his foot in his mouth a little bit. <laughs> okay, uh, Templeton. I mean, obviously loyalty to a fault. Um, <laughs> yeah, we talked about bl- that. Blind, blind loyalty. The blindest of loyalties. Um, at, kind of the same way that like, so Val's big challenge or Chris's big challenge in playing Val is playing a, an arrogant character and a character who kind of falls maybe in the middle of the moral spectrum. For me, it is playing a character who doesn't have his own free will. That was kind of what I was shooting for. And so the challenge for me is going to be to sit back and let everybody else kind of push the game and move it forward. Whereas I'm going to be, I'm going to be supportive. I want to build Val's character and I want to make Val's character shine. And I I want to make the other characters shine as well by being a supportive support kind of character. Definitely loyalty to a fault. Yeah. I was going to say playing with you enough, Devin, I know, both you and I sitting in the back, not taking lead is is tough. And every game we've played, we've had to do it. And, and I will say that's what I've appreciated about Devin as as playing with him is that he's able to take that lead and and kind of uh, okay. So this is how you do it, you know, teaching me how to play essentially. And and I appreciate him now, kind of taking that back seat and letting some other uh, characters uh, and players kind of not not that you it would be an issue but that you're you're choosing to play a character that is that way so some other of us are are going to to have to step up and I, and I think that's a challenge that we're we're ready to accept yeah and and I don't think that's a bad thing at all i think it gives you know kylie which unfortunately she's not here tonight and travis both the availability to expand them front and center um you know with with tomb of annihilation they were both kind of ancillary characters is a good way to put it uh, to an extent because they didn't start with the original crew so they yeah. maybe didn't feel as as tight niche as everybody else but hopefully that yeah. that's that's good to go uh, you, again you guys kind of you kind of hit on this already we bled into it yeah, yeah what what really sparked the idea for part the- of it was uh xanathar's guide came out and so this is like way back like we were in tomb and i halfway through tomb i thought of this character he was actually, well, no, even before that, th- he was going to be my second character if Binks died. Because I was thinking Binks was going to die early. I'll get Binks out of the way, then I'll play this character that I really want to play. And it was with Xanathar's Guide, and they had the Celestial Pack Warlock. And that's a, a warlock that is healer-based. Um, so that that kind of planted the seed, and then figuring out from then, from there. Kylie's character ended up being uh, a healer, so I, I kind of swapped and went to uh, Fiend, Pact of the Fiend. 
uh, warlock instead. So, which is totally cool. Same background story, same everything, but instead of being a healer, now I'm just a, trying to be a damage dealer. So that, that kind of started. It was Xanathar's Guide just having that, oh, this warlock sounds cool. Warlocks are kind of under underplayed, and uh, I think I, I'll, I'll do that, you know? Uh, so that was it. That was like the number one point. You just filled in pieces as, as yeah, and then information kinda, came. and Yeah, and that's usually how I build a character. I'll, <laughs> I'll find a, a class and subclass that I want to play and then think of a race and then build out from there. Uh, very rarely do I start with uh, a background story. I, I don't I don't know why, but that's just the way it goes. But okay. yeah, so that's how I started. Uh, Templeton. So I had this idea of of tying my character as completely as possible to somebody else's character. At, as I, I said just in a minute ago, I've always had characters that were very commanding presences. They always had very commanding presence. And so I feel that, that not by choice, but I, I make characters that are very much in kind of the center of the group. And I, I wanted to try something different this time. Um, I, I liked the idea of my character completely being there as almost like a fleshing out of somebody else's character. You know, I wanted to be an extension of somebody else's character. So, and Chris had been saying in Waterdeep, like, you know, my backup character is Warlock. So I was hoping maybe he was going for something kind of dark. And so I, I messaged him and I'm like, hey, you ever thought about doing like a, a shared backstory with our characters? And he's like, what did you have in mind? And we start talking about it and we start figuring out that like, like what he's doing with this like criminal background fits perfectly with what <laughs> I wanted to do, which was I, so I get a lot of my ideas from pop culture. So um, J John Steinbeck, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the book. Um, help me mice and Men. A Mice and Men, George from a Mice and Men, right? He, he's this big bumbling idiot, or even like the, the, the Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> the the big ab abomination yeah, that yeah. you know I'm gonna love him and hug him I'm gonna yeah. call him George, um, which was again a play on uh, mice and men. Uh, I I liked the idea of this simpleton who gets in with the wrong not the wrong kind of person but the, the person who's going to use his loyalty as like as against him you know, and take advantage of that. And so as we started talking, it was like, oh, you're a criminal. That's awesome. I had this idea of playing the muscle for a criminal, the dumb muscle that's standing behind the the wisecracking, you know, smooth talking criminal, you know, that is just there to pound stuff into grease spots when it needs to be done. And uh, so as we started talking and exploring this idea, it was like, oh, this is like, this is perfect. This is everything that I was hoping this would be. Um, where I could take my character and just basically attach it to somebody else's and be like, I want your character to be, to shine. You know, I want to be there to make your character deeper and more complex and more compelling, and more interesting. And then I want to branch out and do that to the rest of the group. I want to give them something that they can play off of and, and without ever really Taking the spotlight too much, yeah. I guess, or, or or being a commanding presence. I want to be in the background painting my nails when it's not my turn to talk. <laughs> uh, you know, I want to wait for Val to ask me to say stuff. You know, I I, I want for, to wait for Val to tell me to do something, and and when he tells me to do something, I want to 
do it with the best gusto and, and excitement that I can. Yeah. And so that that was kind of my that was kind of how this all kind of started. Okay. I love it. Uh, I'm I'm gonna call it right now. I'm going out on a limb and saying like Devin, you're gonna have the you're gonna have the emotional moments to start us off. I think. I'm just I'm, I, that's where I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, it could ha- it could happen. Oh, Travis just posted in our in our private chat. Mimsy from South Park. Um, uh, he's not wrong. Um, but no, I I, I, I I agree. I'm 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 definitely gonna be playing in more of the heartfelt side of things yeah. um, because he is very childlike. I, and he wants everyone to be friends. I, I think that's going to. I think that's probably. I will be playing in that realm more yeah. than I will be in the, the badass realm or the. I don't know. Yeah. The dramatic <laughs> realm. Right. Um, okay. So next question. What what pitfalls do you want to really avoid with oh. these characters? And th- I think this is going to be tough for both of you. There, there, are, <laughs> there are many. Um, but we'll, we'll, start, we'll start with you first, uh, Devin. Okay, so number one, if you've ever seen Tropic Thunder and when uh, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.'s character says you never go full retard, um, and I, I apologize, I'm just quoting the movie. Uh, quoting the movie. I'm quoting the movie. I do not want this character to be a joke. Right. 100%. This character is not there to be the stupid thing that everybody makes fun of, and if that happens, I'm killing him off. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying that. Like, I, I, his, his simplicity is a facet of his character. It is not who he is. He is not a caricature, and so that's a pitfall for me, and I think maybe even for the group too, mm-hmm. because you know he's going to do some things that are kind of funny sometimes, and that's fine. But what I don't want him to do is become like the butt of jokes or 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 have his simpleness be the thing that defines him. You know, I, I really want to push myself as a role player. I want to play a character that is multifaceted, that has a lot of flaws, that that isn't easy, you know, and and so for me, that's a tightrope to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, of of not letting his simpleness be one a crutch for me. It's an, I'm not going to be playing this up for laughs just because he's simple, you know, or, or not that bright. Right. Um, and it's going to be hard for me to. It's also going to be hard for me to take the back seat. Uh, I don't. I, I've said it before. I don't do it on purpose. I just, you know, I, I just do it. You know, I'm just playing my characters as I would in if I was talking to my friends. Right. Um, in my own life, I do this a lot with my friends group. I'm kind of the the guy at the front, you know, leading leading the pack kind of thing. And so, for me to force myself into a position where I'm taking a back seat is going to be a challenge challenge for me. Well, okay. And and I think to kind of help you out in that, what I'm thinking in my headspace with Valerian is like he might put you, throw you under the bus, make you the butt of jokes, but deep down. Like and this is where the the whole story arc is gonna is gonna hit. I think is like he cares about Templeton, otherwise he wouldn't keep him around. He wouldn't be he wouldn't be an asset to him if there wasn't some deep down connection. So that's gonna keep it from being that uh, the the butt of the joke and, and being yeah. being uh, you know like you said going full retard. Uh, so yeah, that's not uh, pitfall with with Valerian. I think is is becoming. I don't want him to be the game-breaking asshole or the party-breaking asshole. Like, we've talked about that before. Like, 
how evil can you play uh, before your party just says, "Hey, screw you. We wouldn't be. We wouldn't associate with you." All right. So I gotta, I gotta find where that threshold is and and learn how to dance in and out of that and, and and make it interesting and fun and that's really going to challenge me as a player and i'm looking forward to it i want to take that step as a player otherwise i wouldn't make uh this kind of uh challenging character but i think that's going to be that's going to be tough for me and it, but knowing knowing the group knowing the people i play with is going to help uh, knowing that we've gone through a campaign together, like I'm okay with with going out on a limb with you guys. I feel safe. I feel comfortable. I think I'm 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 ready for the challenge. But yeah, being too much of an a hole, or on the other side of that, is not playing up to that uh, asshole in this character. Like me, just me as Chris being too timid and not stepping up and playing that character. So that yeah, I think it's kind of awesome that like I I think this is going to play out where like you're my backbone and I'm your conscience kind of thing, <laughs> you know, like if we All kind right. of have shared emotions, I, I think we're going to see, I think we could see that happen, you know, yeah. at, at some point, you know, where it's like, you want to do something wrong and I'm going to talk you out of it or yeah. somebody does something not nice to me and I stand up to them or something, you know, yeah. something like that. But um, you guys kind of answered the last yeah, one too. I mean, you guys did a good job. It's, it's much, uh, you know, much appreciated on my end. So are there any questions that you guys have for me that won't be covered in the water deep portion? Um, I, I have one. This may not be covered. It may. I, if it is, then we can hold off. But uh, because my background is a criminal, I get like a criminal contact. So I'd like to know, like, working for the Rosnar family, can my criminal contact be within that family? And that's who I get some of my underground information. That's how I get the scuttlebutt on the streets, you know? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so that's my biggest question is that. Yeah, I think that would fit mechanically into the game because, and we'll talk about the families here in a little bit. Okay. Um, each family kind of has their own, you know, good and bad, if you will. Um, but it would make sense that if you've worked for them long enough that you have kind of an agent that will assist you in what you need, Devin. Uh, um, not nothing, nothing for me. I, I I think I'm good. It would be nice if you could tell me. I, I I was looking at the map and I was trying to figure out a small city where Templeton could maybe be from. Um. Okay. Let me ask you this: Does the game take place completely in Waterdeep? One hundred percent. Okay. Then never mind. Don't need to know. Small village outside Waterdeep. Yeah. Sounds so. good. All right. So there are two questions uh, for you guys. Yeah. Would you label yourselves as bandits? And this comes from Demon Lord Nem. Uh, I think bandits. No, I think thief. Yes, at least early. What about Templeton? Like I, would 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 Templeton label I, I, himself? I, I think the correct term at this point is fencer. You know, I think we're into acquiring stolen goods from other yeah. thieves and selling them to the Rosnars so right. that they can. Because it, it showed, I know we'll talk about it in a minute, but the Rosnars, they deal in gems. That's that's what they kind of deal in, in jewelry. And so I, I think we're fencers. I think we don't do the act of thieving any longer. We are, we take in what other people have stolen. Okay. And, and yeah. then give that to the Rosnars. Um, but I think, now I'll say this too, Templeton, I don't think he's a thief at all. That's what I was going to ask I don't, you. I don't think he's uh, ever stolen a thing in his life. I, he is he is the, he's the ever looming shadow 
behind Val. <laughs> Val has Val has stolen stuff. Oh yeah. Templeton has watched him steal stuff. Templeton has made sure that he gets out of sticky situations. Templeton has never stolen a thing in his life. Okay. I like it. And I think, you know, Bandit to me um, insinuates there's some some muscle in there or the act of hurting somebody physically where like yeah. fencer or thief uh, Val's not interested in like hurting anybody physically uh, monetarily. Yeah, of course he'll, he'll take what he needs. Uh, that's so that's like stealing a loaf of bread to feed your family kind of thing. Uh, but, but as far as like hurting people just to hurt people, no, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, next question comes from AK random Ricker. So as locals, uh, you guys have any other friends you've left by the wayside and, do you guys have a favorite bar or tavern? Mm, yeah. So we actually talked about that. Like we kind of hang out in the yawning portal. Um, we are not really like big shots there, but we do kind of hang out. That's where the heavy hitters are going to be. That's where the uh, information uh, is going to be passed around. So we have talked about that. Like uh, that's kind of where we head out, uh, hang out, uh, excuse me. And um, I, I know at one point, and I don't know if we, so if this is not canon, because we have shared canon and I can't remember, um, I know at one point we kind of talked about that maybe our characters are like well known um, in this portion of Waterdeep as like, like if you've ever seen The Godfather Part 2, when um, when uh, the original Godfather, so like when they do the flashback to Vito's, yeah, he's a young guy when he's like walking down the streets and they're just grabbing fruit off of people's stands and everyone's like, Oh, Hey, good to see you. Godfather. Like we kind of talked about like, it'd be cool if like our characters maybe had a little bit of notoriety as working okay. for the, the Rosnars and, and like, not that we're like, you know, Kings of Waterdeep or anything like that. But like yeah. in our little section of the yawning portal where we hang out, we we're known as like these are the guys who who work for the Rosnars. So you know, like we, maybe they watch good, out for the locals. Kind of maybe thing. the good question is is the yawning portal the place for that to happen? As like a level one character, I imagine yeah. you know we're pretty low on the totem pole. So maybe there's another bar. Yeah, that's where that I- we can we can be up higher up in status where that stuff can happen. Uh, and I'm totally cool with like that being the bar. It doesn't have to be the yawning portal, right? It's cool. Yeah, but, I would. But a I place would, where we can come in and, and get what we want. I would ask that it is a different place because y- okay. yawning portal. You know, y- y'all are level one characters, so y- you guys, you know, it, it yeah. mechanically fits that. You know, you're not that big of a deal because I have know, nine hit points. You start, you start <laughs> scrapping with somebody, you're gonna, you're gonna die. So maybe if we choose a bar outside of Waterdeep, okay. there's, there's a billion, and you can just pick right. whichever. It doesn't matter. Um, I think that'd fit better. Okay. Anybody? Uh, but as, I mean, the second half of that question was, do we have anybody we left behind? Uh, Val was pretty close to his wife, uh, so the Rosnar would be the the criminal contact there, and the Rosnar family would be the only person other than Templeton, really. Uh, he he's got some tertiary family that is out, not in Waterdeep, um, which I haven't written a backstory for. But there are people there, but they're not in Waterdeep. So. Yeah, and I mean Templeton had two people in his life. And the only one that's still living is Val. So um, there's not any locals. I think so maybe to kind of scale in the sense of like we're good for the community. Maybe there's like just a family or two that like we try and help support a little bit, you know, 
Maybe it like okay. Templeton's Insistence or something like that. Maybe that's a better scope for a level one character. You know, there's like a a widowed woman and a child that we you know make sure has bread or something like that. Perfect. Um, but so yeah, that would probably be the only thing I could think of is if there was like a local small family that Templeton had maybe it reminds him of his mom and himself had taken an interest and in, he's insisting on making sure that they have food to eat. So Brewhammer, um, you you two are the only two in the group that know each other. Uh, we'll get to the, kind of that yeah. in in a second. I, I do find this comment interesting from Brewhammer. Uh, interesting that you guys are going to be locals in Waterdeep. You know, I, I do feel like a lot of crews um, kind of are, are you know new traveling to adventurers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be interesting. So, do you guys have anything, any lasting impressions you want to give real quick before we bring Travis back in? I will touch on what AK Random Wrecker said in the chat was uh, having ties to the community create awesome uh, moments of role play. And I think that's totally true. Like, that's kind of why I wanted to be involved in Waterdeep was just to have those points of contact where you can immediately riff off uh, NPC because uh, you have some sort of background story with them. And and having Templeton at the side, I think that's just going to make it even, even better and easier transition into Waterdeep. And, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to be like a wide-eyed halfling coming into Waterdeep for the first time. You know, not that there's anything wrong with that. That's just, we we were that in Cholt. I, I don't want to be that in Waterdeep. Yeah. I want to be kind of, you know, uh, I, I know the streets of Waterdeep. And to, piggy- to a certain extent. To piggyback off of that, like Waterdeep is the perfect setting to be a local who is lost as fuck. It yeah. is the New York City of Faerun, and it is it is the it's the largest city in in Faerun, isn't it? I believe so. I believe so. I'm doing a bunch of reading on the background of Waterdeep uh, in my spare time to prep for this, so that I understand Waterdeep. I want to be as close to being a true local as I can be at this point, and um, it's going. It will be super. Like I love the idea of this is all I know. That little town where my, I grew up, and then Waterdeep. Waterdeep is my world, but it's huge, and there's so much to learn and know about this city. That like, it, there's like this weird thing going on with like the macro and the micro of a world. If I'm, it's awesome to hear that we're going to be in Waterdeep the whole time. I was kind of hoping that was the case. Like, I want, I just, I like the idea of being buried into the city. The pockets of Waterdeep are going to be so fun to explore. I agree. And I, I think this is an appropriate time to bring everybody back. Um, Travis. So, Get his ass in here. So welcome back, Travis. Um, so could, good to be here. Would it be, could we talk about our characters together for a minute? No, that's inappropriate. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is yeah, not absolutely. what this is for. Are you playing the Unearthed Arcana? Yes, I am. Nice. I am super yes. excited to watch this be played. So, so I am too. That is recently a, updated. Yeah, that is yes. a fair thing to bring up. Unearthed Arcana t- yesterday came out with the recently updated Artificer, and Travis will be playtesting that as we go through. So there's a homebrew one. There's the original that was released like a couple years ago. This will be the most current released version. Yes, it is. Um, I'm excited before. to see where that goes. Yeah, Sorry. me too. I, I'm going to have a lot of fun with it, I hope. Anyway, and if not, that's kind of the point of a playtest. You find out you don't like it and move on to something else somehow. And you kill your character. <laughs> or or multi-class, or who knows. We'll see what happens. Maybe he might get killed by uh, by Temple. Templeton. 
we'll see. And so one other question for everybody before we get into Waterdeep. Does anybody, so Travis, I think you kind of answered this. Does anybody else have a trinket that they've picked out? So uh, there are two things, and I don't know which one is going to be more, that's going to that's gonna shine in roleplay uh, yet. But there are two things. One, he has a woodworking tool set, so he, he can carve like small figurines. That's kind of an homage to me as uh, as a real person. I like to carve uh, wooden spoons in some of my off time. So I was like, ah, woodworking, let's have him do that. We'll throw that in there. So we'll see if that comes out. If it does, it, it'll be something cool. Maybe that's something I do in our downtime as I carve little figurines for Templeton to play with. That might be my trinket. But my my like spell casting arcane focus is going to be those bracers, those black bracers that I wear with the white uh, diamonds in them. That's going to be something that I kind of I protect because uh, they one they cover up my scars and two uh, yeah they're they're just kind of kind of cool cool looking so yeah one of those two things we'll see okay so as I mentioned in my backstory um, Templeton paints his nails kind of just obsessively he has this painting kit that he used to make money while he was on the streets he that's his trinket he has a paint set that he sometimes uses for finger painting. But most of the time, he just likes enjoys painting his nails different colors. It's going to be fun. Good deal. All right. Um, Travis, I guess there was one more. Um, is your character more the silent type or the quiet lurker? He's kind of neither. Um, he will probably start off as the quiet lurker a little bit as he kind of finds his groove in this new town or new world, rather. Um, uh, uh, once he gets comfortable, he's going to be kind of more outgoing, um, more charismatic. I don't know what charismatic, but he'll definitely be partaking in the all sorts of things around the world, uh, conversation, just finding things to do, and probably causing some mischief here and there. Maybe nothing too bad, but he'll be having some fun at least. Love it. I do, th- I do think that uh, as any good toddler would, I'm going to ask you so many questions about whatever it is that you're building. <laughs> So just be prepared for that. <laughs> yes. Uh, honestly, that's what I'm hoping for because I need to. That's going to help me be more creative with things. Okay. So I I think that um, kind of covers it for questions Q and A. Um, let's let's jump into what the module will look like. So I've read ahead quite a bit. Uh, it's easier to explain it. Whereas tomb and and it's going to be a good juxtaposition of the of the two. Tomb was a, a much more combat dungeon delve heavy module i feel like Waterdeep is going to be a very role play heavy module there's probably not going to be a ton of combat there's probably not going to be um a ton of dungeon diving um i i'm not sure if we're going to take this to the mad mage yet so i do i do have that module <laughs> um, we didn't like tomb that much so you can re read our uh, go through our reaction but we didn't like the dungeon delving part of tomb of annihilation because it just it was a grind so this will not be that um this will be a, a sandbox to an extent there does get to be a point where there's a timer situation um so you know there, there's at the very we'll say there's four chapters the first couple you're going to be sandbox. Um, then it gets into a timer situation, which, you know, you can put it what it is. But the module will be very different than Tomb of Annihilation. And I, I think it's it's going to help 
our group as a whole shine because that's what we do very well. I, I could say, and for me, you know, not not from a media standpoint, from a Dungeon Master standpoint, and hopefully from you guys as a character standpoint, my favorite moments of Tomb of Annihilation were the, the heavy roleplay moments. And we, we talked about some of these before. But Travis, you brought up the Oni. That was one of my favorites. And this is going to be that in its entirety. So it's going to give a lot of range for your characters to grow. It's going to give a lot of spotlight to the characters that want to be in the front. And hopefully it'll give enough roleplay moments for the characters that want to be at the back. So it'll have a nice breakdown for each. I was just thinking we're going to have to find a new fireside. You know, because in Tomb it was always... (laughs) Getting down for the fire before the night, we'd have this great role play moment. What's going to be our new? Uh, we saved it for that. We, it was like, okay, campfire time. Let's <laughs> yep. let's stop the RP. <laughs> we know it's time to role play. <laughs> um, uh, remind remind me again. Is it levels one through five? Yeah. So so the okay. targets one through five. We'll see where it goes from there, and, and we don't know the the next step. So uh, I'll just get that out of the way now. Uh, we do have a fifth member. She's unfortunately uh, extremely busy with personal life. So she'll be here for the start of it. We're going to catch up her session zero maybe Thursday before the podcast or wherever we can fit it in next week. Um, but we will have a fifth character. And I'm excited. So any questions about the module that I can tell you now without giving away? Fourth character. You don't count. Fourth character. Yes, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> a fifth member, a fourth go. character. So I, I, and, and I, I'm leading this question because I already know the answer. Um, I know that we talked about where this stands as far as the end of Tomb of Annihilation. Where, as a timeline, where do we stand? That's a good question. Is, or is this even on the same timeline? So, so Cholt, which is where Tomb of Annihilation and this is kind of a fun... I was going to sprinkle this in. Uh, it is a kind of fun homage to the Tomb of Annihilation is that this will be in the same you know timeline uh, history. It's about 50 years later. So the events of the, the party before, that does have an impact in Waterdeep. And it's 50 years after the Soulmonger has been destroyed because Cholt is an island right off the Sword Coast in Faerun. So... Awesome. Well, I was thinking it'd be kind of cool to read us the the infractions and the punishments. I, ha- I, I have that. If you have that handy, that would be cool to kind of get in, help us get into the mindset of what maybe you can and cannot get away with in Waterdeep. Yeah, well, we'll what go, is a punishable offense? We'll go over that with the city. Uh, so anything about the module as a whole? No? All right. No. Let's jump into Waterdeep. So Waterdeep no, so. is one of the biggest cities in Faerun, right? So everybody's heard about it. You know, it's on the Sword Coast. The race breakdown of Waterdeep, because some of you guys might be kind of looked at a little, uh, you know, uh, side-eyed or mean-mugged at a few times. But the race breakdown, humans 64%, dwarves 10%, elves 10%, halflings 5%, half-elves 5 gnomes 3 half-orcs 2 other one and it's a it's a population of about a hundred thousand so so put it where it is um basics of water deep i don't know if this is the right word but the 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 name of and maybe i'm, I'm gonna butcher the hell out of this the name of people in water deep are water davians pretty much anything in water deep can be sold or bought anything you can think of there's there's a somebody out there for it so and this is kind of what keeps you 
encased in the module that we're in. So yeah. you, you have no need to leave Waterdeep. Water Davians hold adventurers in a high regard. So you guys are, if you're going to be adventurers or you have stories or you have, you know, and, and maybe this uh, Templeton and uh, Valerian, maybe this leads into your high status in a bar. Yeah, I could I could totally see Valerian uh, being the orator of a story as... Templeton maybe like bumbling through <laughs> or, or kind of uh, acting it out a little bit. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, you, you guys maybe, you know, in, in your own little circle, you guys are kind of like, oh, let's gather around. It's story time. There are- I, I imagine Templeton probably is like pushing people out of the way to sit down in front of Valerian. Okay. Like, floor, right. like story time. Hell yeah. Like, uh, just your crowd control. Out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, there are some of the most esteemed citizens in Waterdeep that were former adventurers. Uh, and kind of jumping into there, so we'll go over the noble families of Waterdeep. And so this is kind of, this is well known to everybody. There's House Amkith- Amkithra. I'm, uh, again, I'm going to butcher all these. I'm terrible. All right. Tethirian, a family that specializes in horse breeding and training, cattle ranching, winemaking, and weaponsmithing. The family motto is re- we trample our troubles um so the family has a large villa in the north ward on the east side of the high road between Hassan tears street and tarneth street okay then there's house margister the margisters are an Eluskan family whose business interests lie in land-based shipping and bulk goods trading the house also has a quiet history of wizardry the family motto is nothing is beyond our grasp. The Margister's family estate is situated between Stabbed Sailor Alley and Shattercrock Alley in the North Ward. House House Filand. The Filands are a Tash Latar family that captures and sells monsters. Monsters that can be trained as pet monsters that can't be trained as pets or guard beasts are sold to arenas or harvested for their meat, bones, and skins. The Filans sponsor adventuring parties and monster hunting expeditions, and their motto is, What you fear, we master. House Filand has an estate on Copper Street, west of the high road between Joltoon Street and Trader's Way in the North Ward. Um, House Rosnar, once banished from Waterdeep for smuggling, slavery, and other crimes, this Tethirian house has returned and is trying to overcome its dark past and disgraceful reputation by focusing on legitimate business ventures such as winemaking and gem trading. The family, legitimate. <laughs> the family motto is we fly high and stoop swift. Rosnar fly Villa high, bro. Sorry. Villa is situated on Thunderstaff Way between Copper Street and Shield Street in the Sea Ward, west of the High Road. So those are those are the main families. And you know, I some some of you do have um, some ties in there, and it, it'll play into the into the game. Um, there's guilds within Waterdeep, so this is kind of a fun thing that we could we could go through. I'm not going to read all of them, but some of the top ones are Bakers Guild, Launderers Guild, Carpenters, Roofers, Placers, Placers, uh, League of Basket Makers, Zellers and Plumbers, League of Skinners and Tanners, Coopers, uh, Loyal Order and Street Laborers. Council of Farmer Grocers, Master Mariners. So anything you really want, there's probably a guild for it. I mean, the list is ridiculously long, and um, I can post it on in our Discord if you guys are interested in the chat. It's <laughs> League of Extraordinary Basket Makers. Nice. So, yeah, that that is 
this just adds to the flavor of Waterdeep, and it, it brings the life to the to the city that um, you know maybe some of these other small places don't. <clears throat> Before we get into the legal code, so there's a pretty sweet handout for that too. Where where this module will start is the yawning portal. Um, there's there's so much to the yawning portal that they they even have their own little handout. I can post it in our Discord if you guys are interested in the. Uh, in, in the handout. But the Yanni portal is so, so full of life and flavor. And, and that's kind of why being recognized there as a level one character is where I would say, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you guys, and you, you could, you, you know, I might get away with, uh, you could try and talk a big game there, which, you know, you roll high enough bluff checks or deceptions or whatever. It could be fun. Um, Yanni portal is no place to really mess around. So, um, the Yawning Portal is a famous inn and tavern located in the Castle Ward of Waterdeep. Adventurers can meet sort, all sorts of colorful characters here. The place is a stone building with a slate roof and several chimneys. Most of the ground floor is taken up by the tavern's common room, which contains a 40-foot diameter open well, actually the outer shell of a sunken stone tower, that descends 140 feet to the first level of Undermountain, the sprawling dungeon under Waterdeep. A rope and pulley mechanism is used to lower adventurers into the well and hoist them out. The upper floors of the yawning portal contain comfortable, nicely appointed rooms for guests. Durnan, the proprietor, charges standard prices for food and lodging there. So, you know, this this is... there. There's its own book, Tales from the Yawning Portal, that has a ton of fun adventures in there. And it's, it's a place where people come to chat and talk and, and live up. So... That's where we're going to start the adventure. So think about, as, as you guys move into the module, think about why you're there. What would bring you to the yawning portal with your characters? Um, but So some, some of the fun stuff with <coughs> uh, the actual module itself, it gives, you, it gives you a handout of crime and punishment in, in um, Waterdeep. So punishment for a crime can include one or more of the following based on the nature of the crime, who or what the crime is committed against, and the criminal record of the convicted, death, exile, for a number of years or summers, f- <laughs> flogging, a set number of strokes, hard labor, for a period of days, months, or years, depending on the seriousness of the crime. <laughs> so they don't mess around. You know, it's funny, coming out of Cholt, I was like, these fuckers are ridiculous <laughs> with their punishments. And then you sent us the goddamn list yeah. of things that you yeah. can get into in Waterdeep. And I was like, oh, goddamn, we should have stayed in Cholt. So, yeah. Imprisonments in the dungeon. Uh, dungeons of Castle Waterdeep for a period of days, months, depending on the seriousness of the crime. A fine, which is pretty common. Payable to the city. Inability to pay the fine leads to imprisonment and or hard labor. Damages uh, payable to the injured party or victim's kin. (coughs) Inability to pay damages lead to imprisonment and or hard labor. An edict forbidding the convicted from doing something violation of an edict can result in imprisonment, hard hard labor, and or a fine. So some of the crimes, assaulting, (laughs) impersonating a lord, uh, punishable by death, Uh, assaulting... Assaulting or impersonating an official or noble, flogging, imprisonment up to a 10-day, and fine up to 500 gold pieces. So all of this is just is so much depth to this module that, that wasn't in Cholt. A lot of Cholt was kind of ad-libbed. You just knew 
you don't mess around. Um, but some of the some of the highlights: murder of a lord, official, or noble uh, is death. Bribery or attempted bribery of an official exile up to twenty years, and fine up to double the bribe amount. That so, one scares me. Because <laughs> yes. that's something you could totally do. And just... Uh, hope you get a high roll. <laughs> Don't fail me now. That's the ultimate butthole pucker. Yeah. yeah. So crimes against the city. Some of these are fun. Espionage. Valerian. Um, death. <laughs> <laughs> death or permanent exile. Fencing stolen goods. Oh, here we go. Fine equal to the value of the stolen good and edict. Forgery of an... That's not bad. That's not bad. Forgery of an official document. Flogging and exile for 10 summers. (laughs) Uh, Hampering justice. Uh, Templeton. (laughs) Fine up to 200 gold pieces and hard labor up to a 10-day. Littering. Fine up to 2 gold pieces. (laughs) Poisoning a city well. Death. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm gonna post. So that's that's the rule that somebody made because that actually happened sometime in the past. Like you know, how every city's got like the rule that's like, yeah. look, some asshole did this, so now it's yeah. a law. That that one that one is the, that's the the water deep asshole law. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I'll post these in our Discord again if you want to join our Discord and see some of these. You can read through the whole list. There's a link down below. Um, so are there any questions? I mean, Waterdeep has such a rich history that I'm going to ask if you guys want to know the history of Waterdeep. Um, there's there's an amazing um, lore, a Wikipedia page on it that's just full of stuff if you want. Question is, are we all... Session one, we're starting in the Yawning Portal. Yes. Yep. Okay, so we need to know why we are there. Yes. Okay. okay. What season did we choose? Oh, yeah. I thought we chose winter. Okay, well, we didn't talk about it. I don't think we talked about it. Uh, we, I mean, we, we talked about it so long ago. Yeah. I think we chose winter, and then, Bob, you said that it may not be totally fulfilling. Yeah, Random Wrecker actually, actually just asked that, too. What time of year are we starting in? It, it's, I mean, whatever. Uh, whatever you guys I, want. I don't care. So, so the, it's, we said winter. That was what we originally had said. The good, and, and I think I I said that because I like the headspace of walking around in a yep. in in snow falling down around Waterdeep. But if that's not going to be the best story or the best villain or whatever, I'm fine with whatever. But uh, it's really up to you guys. I mean, I say we stick. I said we said winter. That was our first. Yeah. Everybody agreed. Like right off the gate, winter sound. Winter in Waterdeep sounds awesome. Uh, if for some reason you guys don't want to do win or the so, without giving away too much, um, there's a villain per flavor. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see why I couldn't, um, you know, mix and match whatever because it, it just seems silly to, to. We've always been into. We're not gonna. We're not gonna just let this, you know, be so so railroaded that we can't change it how we want to. Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to find it. There's a good. There's a very good. Season breakdown. Travis, what's your question? I see that the race breakdown um, has gnomes at 3%. Can I, Jack, as a gnome, expect to be looked at differently? Or is everybody pretty well welcome here, even at that low? I think everybody would be welcome here um, to an extent because the yawning portal, again, <laughs> the yawning portal brings uh, so much 
to to the table, and it brings mm. such a wide variety. Yeah. So, so the winter. I, go ahead, Devin. I am relishing the idea of being the lowest minority, and I hope that that's played <laughs> to its extremes. Of nobody likes the fucking orcs. Well, I mean, I'm not an orcist or anything, so it's a, it's a hard stretch for me as the DM. Um, kidding. So. Winter. Uh, Water Davian winters are harsh. As snow piles up around the city and ice fills the harbor, trade grinds to a halt and the city seals its gates. Citizens willing to brave the cold still gather in local taverns and fest halls, but few venture outside the city walls. And I guess I could I could read the other ones. Uh, so spring in Waterdeep, early... Early spring tends to be cold and damp. Misty rain falls for days on end. It's common for fog to settle at night and last through the day. As the weather improves, the city attracts more visitors and the streets become increasingly crowded as summer approaches. Summers in Waterdeep are quite comfortable and it's a great time for citizens and visitors to congregate outside. The markets are, <laughs> excuse me, the markets are busier than at any other time of year. Sometimes the warm air pushes up from the south and settles in the valleys north and east of the city. The, this air gets trapped, creating a hot spell that might last for days or weeks. Activity in the city slows to a crawl since water Davians are, are unaccustomed to such heat. Autumn. Throughout autumn, wagon loads of food arrive in Waterdeep from outlying farms. Without this bounty, the city folk would starve during the winter. Cold, howling sea winds remind water Davians that winter is cooling. Yeah, so, I mean, if you guys want to decide differently as you read those. Um, I have an image in my head of Templeton in, like, the biggest fur coat he can find. I feel like... Um, I, I, I was going to say, I feel like we should probably review those again with Kylie, maybe on her session zero. Does she even work here? Side as a group. But <laughs> I'm pretty... I mean, I'm, I'm pretty cool. I kind yeah. of like summer a little better than from the sound of it, but I'm going to have fun with it. What we yeah. Um, rude. <laughs> um, should have been here, Kylie. It's your fault. Kidding. Um, all right. It's my day off. <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Um, all right. So does anybody have any other questions? Any other questions in the chat? Because I think this has been a pretty fun session one uh, or session Heck zero. Yeah. I'm, um, I I guess I'll have a comment on tonight is I'm so glad that we did this. I feel like comforted going into this. Mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. uh, ready to go. I like knowing a little bit about all of our characters and I am so excited mm -hmm. guys. As much fun as we had in Tomb of Annihilation and uh, I think it's just going to be like an exponential yep. more amount of fun here at, in Waterdeep. Don't. To lift up to lift up the curtain when we started doing Tomb of Annihilation, it was like I don't think we knew what we were doing. I'll just just straight out the gate, you know, like no I clue. Still don't and know what we're doing. Well, we, we we took what we've decided to kind of all as a group. Like Waterdeep is our chance to really do this streaming, the streaming side of things, right? Like good graphics, original artwork, um, you know, excellent storytelling right off the bat you know so i i'm ex so excited for this i've been looking forward to this for months i would say um i was over tomb for a long time and <laughs> and yeah. uh just as uh, the 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 production side of things 
I'm loving how this is all coming together, and I'm so, so, so excited for what comes in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I remember we thought we were going to finish Tomb in November. Yep. Like, we had talks, like, it could be November, mid-November, late November, and it just kept going and going. Mm -hmm. But we were like, let's be finished by the time Dragon Heist comes out. Yeah, comes I, out. I remember, and, yeah. yeah. What was that, April? No, that was, like, September. September? Yeah, or October, October, yeah. Oh I, I will say, throw some praise out to the Dad Bod crew. Uh, thank Devin for the awesome uh, graphics here. Uh, thank Kylie for the awesome artwork, for our character artwork. Uh, Bob putting the OBS together um, and, and running all that stuff. Devin, or not Devin, Travis. Double Devin. There's a V. It was Te the V. Tech support Travis. <laughs> tech support Travis, updating Reddit and, and uh, take care of that stuff. Uh, you guys are doing great. Uh, it looks so awesome. I'm watching Twitch right now. It it just looks freaking awesome, guys. I'm so happy. But I, I do want to say setting up for the session zero was kind of weird because every session zero, like when you do your research and, and like what what are good compelling questions to ask, every session zero is like, how do I DM? How like right? How do we fit as a group? And it's like, dude, we've already been playing for half a year together, yeah. a year. We don't need any of that. So let's let's dive into the characters. And I think you know we combined brought all of these questions together, and it was it turned out really good. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. All right, so that's gonna end it here. Um, you know, thanks everybody in the chat for the questions, hanging out with us as yeah, we thanks, as guys. we go over our characters, um, and as the group gets to know each other's characters. So we we we've all written the backstories, but seeing it and and hearing your actual emphasis on it is, is just great. Um, I, I do want to say off the top, follow us wherever you want, um, at Dad by D and D, Twitter, Instagram, whichever is your fancy. If you want, we had a bunch of we had a bunch of people join Discord this afternoon, so awesome. Um, if you if you guys need some new dice, you can go ahead and click the Skull Splitter dice link below. Use Dad Bod uh, promo code one word, no spaces, um, get you ten percent off. And if you haven't yet. <laughs> And there's Inked and Ignorance with his 100 bits. Appreciate it as always. Um, if you haven't yet, follow us. We will be starting Dragon Heist March 15th. Um, obviously, we, we do this on Twitch, but it will be on podcast format. It will be on YouTube format. Yep. And, um, you know, interact with us and, and hang out with us in our Discord and talk about the sessions and whatever's going on. Um, March 15th. Tell your friends. Bring them along. Yeah. Uh, for that, we don't pay for advertising, so it's all by word of mouth. So if you guys can uh, tell your friends to get some hype going for the 15th, that would be amazing. And we'll talk to you then. Bye, guys. Bye, See you guys. Bye. Thank you. Love you.